With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson. Today's show, we got a little bit of breaking news. We'll start off with that, but we're obviously going to touch on the Jaguars-Chargers game. Chargers get their first victory since week one against the Bengals. We'll go over Wednesday's injury report as I'm recording this. Thursday's has not come out yet. This is prior to Thursday's media call as well with the coaches. And then, of course, we got to talk about Herbert going away with the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Month award. Big ups to him. He deserves it. Huge, huge play from Herbert the last couple weeks. Only three starts in October. Somehow still walked away with the award. So with that being said, guys, the opening news for today's show, the breaking news of sorts, is that the Chargers finally have a tested positive player for the coronavirus. And at first, no idea who it was, right? The Giants are another team this morning that came away with a positive test. They later said that it was Will Hernandez, their left guard. The Chargers announced they had a player tested positive, and then we just come to find out that it was right guard Ryan Groy who tested positive. So what does that mean for the Chargers? Well, one, it means their their clean streak is done. They were one of the only teams who hadn't had a player test positive at all this season for the coronavirus. That officially comes to an end, but... Obviously, Groy has been the team's starting right guard since Trey Turner just hasn't been able to get back uh, to full health or at least healthy enough the last couple weeks to to start. So it's Thursday, right? Um, They'll probably test again, you know, see if it's a false positive. Uh, His close contacts, right, are going to be isolated as well. He did not participate or he was, I think, a limited participant yesterday. Let me just pull this up real quick so I'm not kind of talking... out of my ass here. Uh, Ryan Groy, he was a, he didn't participate at all yesterday's practice with a biceps injury. So good. It means that he probably limited his exposure to other players, which is big. So if he is tested positive, you know, again tomorrow, it's not a false positive. He is likely going to miss Sunday's game against the Broncos. For the Chargers, that means they will be down their top two right guards. And probably you're going to see Scott Questenberry step in there at right guard. To me, that's not that big of a deal. We all liked Questenberry last year when he played center a bit uh, for Mike Pouncey after he got injured and Forrest Lamb got injured, which forced Dan Feeney back from center to uh, left guard. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I like Hugh Berry. It seems a lot of people in the fan base like Questenberry as well. So I'm not too worried about that. What I am worried about is if it potentially means that other offensive linemen 
are going to be held out from Sunday's game, right? We don't know exactly how far spreading it is. Uh, we'll see, but I mean, if that's you know, if that means Trey Pipkins is out, if that means Dan Feeney's out uh, because those are the two guys who are to the right and left of him, respectively, in games, then that's going to be really tough for the Chargers to overcome because if you don't have Pipkins, then what? That's Storm Norton, but Storm Norton has struggled with an injury as well over the past couple of weeks. Um, I just they just can't afford to lose any more bodies. I mean, this is kind of the worst thing for that offensive line besides the injuries that have already ravaged them. So. Big deal potentially for the Chargers to have Groy or not and, and to see whether or not that test uh, and, and how infectious he's been right to the guys around him. So uh, that's your breaking news here. Obviously, we're going to go to the Jags recap. Uh, the Chargers won. I mean, happy victory Monday to all you guys. I hope it, it was a good day. I hope you guys woke up in good spirits, had a good breakfast, drank your favorite drinks. I mean, did all your favorite things to kind of capitalize on, on those Monday feelings because they don't come often, I mean, especially after that 2018 season where we had 12 victory Mondays, essentially, then going to five in 2019 is, is humbling and sucks, especially once you realize what it's like to win that many games in a season. But Chargers walked away victorious 39-29 um, over the Jags. It was a game where the Chargers almost did that thing where they, they put up a double-digit lead and then blow it before the game's over, right? They they were up 16-0 to in the second quarter, and all of a sudden the Jaguars came back. James Robinson scored two touchdowns, made it 16-14 after a failed two-point conversion, and they went into the half 16-14. So they didn't blow it in the first half, but then, of course, in the, in the third quarter, they did blow it eventually. Uh, Jaguars scored, made it 22-16 after another two-point conversion by them. And then from that point on, it was just kind of back and forth, right? Uh, Justin Herbert was wheeling and dealing. Minshew was doing his thing. James Robinson was doing his thing. And that Chargers defense was just not getting the job done. But, uh, you know, after faltering in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, they kind of stepped up. That's when they forced the fumble on uh, Jaguars. Kickoff return was set them up for their, uh, it was Justin Herbert's rushing touchdown to kind of help put the game away. Um, I believe at that time it made it 36-29, to 29, I believe. Um and then, obviously, the Chargers tapped it all off with a, a field goal to get them their 39 points. So it was a huge deal. Justin Herbert finished 27 of 43, 347 yards, three touchdowns, 66 yards on the ground, the most rushing yards by a Chargers quarterback in team history, and an extra touchdown. So what this did for Herbert, and I, I got to say this, as he became the second rookie quarterback in a game to throw for over 300, three touchdowns, and a rushing score. But... He became the first rookie quarterback to do that, to have that stat line, that box score, in a victory. Because Joe Burrow did it earlier that day against the Browns, but he did not win that game. Herbert did beat the Jaguars, so he does get that honor all to himself. Um, other top leaders on offense, Keenan Allen did his thing, 10 catches for 125 yards. He was a big deal. Aside from uh, Herbert and Allen, man, that offense was kind of... Uh, abysmal, at least the running game was, right? Jalen Guyton as a secondary receiver, two catches, 80-something yards. Um, actually, it's 80-something. It was 84, I believe. I got it right here next to me. 84 yards and a touchdown. His touchdown was for 70 yards. His second 70-plus-yard touchdown of the season. He doesn't catch a lot of passes, but, I mean, he's only caught nine balls. I think it's upwards of 284 yards, I want to say, he has on the season with his two or three touchdowns, actually which is one more than Allen has. I believe he does lead the team now in receiving touchdowns, so that is something. Um, running backs, guys, just can't figure it out. I mean, it's a it's a clicking thing that's not working out between the line and, and the ball carriers. You know, um, 
as uh, combined, excuse me, Kelly and Jackson um, ran for, uh, what is this, 29 plus 12, 41 yards, averaged 2.4 carries between the two of them, excuse me, 2.4 yards per carry between the two of them, which is just absolutely horrendous. Tremaine Pope had one carry for six yards. Uh, Joe Reed had two carries for 14 yards in his first career NFL touchdown. But our true and tried running backs, our starters, our, our guys that are handling the most snaps and carries just cannot get it done. And that's you know partly their fault, uh, but I think it's mostly on the offensive line. The offensive line, once again, four of the five starting offensive linemen were in the bottom five grades, overall grades from uh, Pro Football Focus this week. I think that's the third time in the past three weeks. So the offensive line has been horrendous. And again, with the whole coronavirus thing, it could be even worse against the Broncos and against a divisional opponent. That's you just can't have that. It's just it's just sucks. So uh, defensively for the Chargers, one guy you got to shout out, man, is a Chenna Nwosu, because even with Melvin Ingram back in the lineup, Nwosu only played about 19, 20, 21 snaps in this one. He led the team with one and a half sacks, though, uh, another tackle for loss. He was all over the place, all over Gardner Minshew in, in, in the backfield and around the pocket. He did such a good job of just consistently applying pressure whenever he was on the field. It was fantastic. I think one of his one of his half his half sack was a, was a cleanup, but I mean that just is a testament to his motor and him being able to capitalize off you know the pressure being put on by Melvin Ingram, by Joey Bosa, and, and the guys around him. That's a huge deal. The Chargers finished with five total sacks on the day. You had five, or excuse me, one and a half from Nwosu. You had one from Damian Square, and then you had half sacks from Kaiser White, Joey Bosa, and Isaac Rochelle. So, big day for the defensive line, big day for the pass rush. Huge, huge deal. Um, let's see. Uh, let's talk about my surge or static players of the week. So, uh, this is a weekly article, if you guys don't know, that I do, um, again, every week where I talk about the players who, quote, surged forward with their play, played well, right, progressed, or the players that stayed static or took a step back. So, you know, there's the electricity pun. I, I made it up a couple of years ago. Uh, I've loved it ever since. Um, you guys hopefully <laughs> like it as well. Let me here just pull it up real quick. I should have this thing up already. But let's get right into it. So Sweet Victory at Last is the title for this week's article. Go check it out at BulletsFromTheBlue.com again if you have not. So our surge players of the week, first and foremost, of course, you're going to see Justin Herbert here again. He's been on the surge list for weeks now. I don't remember the last time he hasn't. I think he's been on it every time he started the game, which would be the last five weeks. He's just been absolutely phenomenal. So like I said, 347 yards, 600 or 66 yards on the ground. That's 413 total yards. That's 413 yards of the Chargers total, 484 on the day against the Jaguars. He really did it all. And, and to me, the craziest thing about Justin Herbert's success is that of his 12 total touchdown passes, six of them have been to undrafted players. That's three to uh, Jalen Guyton. You know, that's two, or that's one to Teron Johnson. That's two to Donald Parham. I mean, half of your touchdowns as a rookie quarterback with a bad offensive line, you're still making it work with players who weren't even given that great of a chance to like make the NFL, right? To make a team when they came out of college. I think it's absolutely incredible. I got a stat in here from uh, Field Yates in the article. I mean, he's just looking back at his, at his five starts, right? 
you know, only one game he scored a single touchdown. In his first game, he threw one rush for one. Against the Panthers, only threw one. But then he had three touchdowns against the Buccaneers, four t- passing touchdowns against the Saints, four total TDs against the Jaguars, three passing, one rushing. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. 14 total touchdowns on the year, three interceptions. You just don't see rookie quarterbacks do this. I mean, every week, he's his name is getting thrown in with some of the best players in the league, with some of the who had some of the hottest starts to their careers, right? Uh, you know, another stat that pops into my mind is he joined Mahomes as the only other rookie quarterback to throw for 250 plus yards in his first five career starts. And we've obviously seen what has become of Patrick Mahomes. And to me, the craziest thing is is Mahomes did that with good players still: Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins. Um, he's been surrounded by good talent. While Justin Herbert, yes, has had some good talent, but he doesn't have anywhere near the offensive line. He doesn't. He's had so many more injuries as well to his star players. And like, there's a difference between Keenan Allen and Tyree Kill in that Allen isn't going to get you the yard so much unless there's the catch volume as well. Tyree Kill's a big play waiting to happen. Travis Kelsey is a yak monster, right? Like, it's not like he uh, Herbert's getting these yards because he's throwing up to Mike Williams every single week. You know, it's it's not like Keenan Allen is having over 100 yards every single week as well through these past five starts. He's only had 100 yards at least you know twice so far this season. So. No matter what, Herbert's finding a way to to churn out the yards, to create touchdowns, um, to find success despite not having the same caliber of starting weapons around him that a guy like Patrick Mahomes did to to, to start his career. And I mean, still does obviously won a Super Bowl with him. So I just think that's a it's a bigger testament to what Herbert's done compared to what Patrick Mahomes has done. Uh, second on the surge list, obviously Keenan Allen. We already we already t- kind of touched on him a bit. Uh, Ten catches, 125 yards. Both are second highest marks so far this season for him. He led the team with 13 targets on the day. Next closest was Hunter Henry, who had seven. So I mean, he's just gobbling up targets, gobbling up receptions. Fantasy wise, he he's the one guy to own for the Chargers. Justin Herbert's becoming a fantasy star as well. So it's just a big deal, right? It's I can't stress enough how incredible it is like what we're seeing from Justin Herbert to start his career. It's just absolutely incredible. Thirdly, of course, we touched on Enchenna Wosu, led the team with one and a half sacks, uh, played limited snaps. I think it was just 21 snaps total this game. Again, was everywhere, swarming. And that's exactly what you want to see from your, technically your third pass rusher, right? Like a good teams, yes, they have, you know, multiple good pass rushers, but to have a third one, it's not just your defensive ends. It's not just one end and one tackle. Like to have... More than two guys to help swarm a quarterback when you're only dropping four consistently, which is what Gus Bradley likes to do. He barely brings more than four. That's only a huge, huge, huge plus for the Chargers. Now, thirdly, or excuse me, I already talked about our third guy on, on, on the surge list, Static. We're going to the Static players now. Casey Hayward is my first player under the Static section. And that's because, well, guys... I think I kind of talked about him last week as well in, in his struggles, but Casey Hayward has not been anywhere near as good as the Chargers need him to be, as we would expect him to be this season. Unfortunately, at first, first couple games of the year, he's allowing too many easy completions. He's allowing teams and offenses to target him at a higher rate and to have a higher rate of success against him than in previous seasons. Like, it's absolutely incredible like he's on pace i think 
two years ago, he was targeted like 66 times, you know. Uh, last year, he was targeted, I think, 48. This year, I think he's almost to 40 already, or at least he's in the 30s, mid-30s. That just tells you that defenses are not nearly as scared to challenge Hayward anymore. And, I mean, the guy's over 30. He's never been a stellar athlete. And once you kind of get over 30, for cornerbacks at least, the data shows that there is quite a steep drop-off. And I just really hope we're not seeing that for Casey Hayward this time around, at least right now. Um, when Casey Hayward spoke to the media on Monday, Casey told us that you know he, he struggled with tackles, which is exactly one thing that I, I mentioned about his play, his lackluster play against the Jaguars. He missed a lot of easy tackles. And on James Robinson's second touchdown of the day, Hayward had an opportunity to push him out. It looked like an easy opportunity. There's no way Hayward wasn't going to get his hands on Robinson, force him out of bounds before he crossed uh, the goal line. But unfortunately, Robinson somehow was able to turn the corner on Hayward, dove for the pylon. The touchdown was way easier than it should have been, if at all it should have happened. And and Hayward mentioned that, right? He, he mentioned he needed to do a better job getting his hands on him, forcing him out of bounds, and just getting back to those fundamentals. Like they've struggled with tackles, him and the rest of the Chargers have. So it was big of him to kind of address that problem. I'm, I'm glad he brought it up and no one else had to. So it just means that he's not oblivious to what's going on and his, his negative game, I guess, right now. Uh, next up is Rayshon Jenkins. He's been on the static list quite a few times. Uh, half the time it's because he's blown coverages. The other half it's because he's also struggled with missed tackles. He has four missed tackles this year um, at 10% missed tackle rate. Uh, he's on pace to break his career high eight missed tackles that he had last year. So that's never good, right? To be on pace to have the most missed tackles in your career. He's been rough, man. The the 36-yard catch and run by LaVisca Chenault, who is a good player in his own right, strong wide receiver, rookie wide receiver for the Jags, but... Uh, he caught like a four or five yard curl route over the middle. Rayshon Jenkins had him in a bear hug as he made the catch and somehow Visca was able to, to shake him off. And then he broke like two or three other touchdowns on his way to go 36 yards down the field. And that's just another prime example where one missed tackle like that, one little missed tackle by Jenkins set up the Jaguars for a big play. And then they were able to capitalize that with James Robinson's first score of the day. You know, it's just... These things add up. I cannot tell you how many small little things add up to kind of potentially sink the Chargers. And I, just, I mean, let's just not beat around the bush. Most of the time, they do sink the Chargers, right? They're two and four for a reason. It's because too many of these little things keep adding up. Little missed tackles, little blown coverages. And sometimes they've even gotten lucky. Like they got lucky in the Bengals game with a couple blown coverages where Burrow overthrew John Ross, overthrew uh, AJ Green, you know. They're not going to stay lucky where sometimes it hurts them, sometimes they don't. More than likely, it should hurt them. So Rayshon Jenkins needs to clean up the tackling, be on top of his coverage assignments. Uh, there's a reason Jalila Dye was signed as well and played some single high and box safety this past week for the first time. The Chargers went to the dime package, and I think part of that was because Kaiser White is struggling in coverage, and then part of that is to maybe take Rayshon Jenkins out of unfavorable situations. Lastly, these two I actually I didn't have them because and some of you guys kind of kind of called me out on it. Like why you know one of them actually was you know Michael Badgley. Why wasn't Michael Badgley added initially? Well, I'll tell you what, and it's my fault. He should have been added from the very beginning. But he's just been so forgettable this season that I literally just forgot about him. 
Like he's been bad. He's he's missed a field goal and an extra point attempt in each of the last two games. It came back to bite them in the Saints game because the missed extra point would have been the difference between going into overtime because they tied it at 27 with their own field goal. And in uh, and, and that game, there was a missed field goal to win it for the Chargers in, in, in regulation. So he cost them. You could essentially say he cost them the Saints game. And then against the, the Jaguars, he missed an extra point, missed a field goal, and that could have ended badly had the Chargers not eventually won by 10 points. So Michael Badgley, incredible that Chargers coach Anthony Lynn isn't bringing in competition. He told us on Monday that despite Badgley's struggles, he still has, quote, all the confidence in the world in Badge, and they're not bringing in a competition. So I don't know if that's to not shake his confidence anymore, to hope it just kind of irons itself out. I don't know, but there are other kickers in the NFL, like Sam Sloman from the Rams, who's actually had better numbers, better percentages of conversion than Badgley, and he just got cut by the Rams. They signed kicker Kai Forbath to replace him. So, you know, if Badgley, I think, has one more bad game, there's just no way he's not cut. And if he's still not cut after another bad game, there's going to be a lot of people with pitchforks and fires, you know, outside Anthony Lynn's house trying to figure out why he won't figure this out with the kicker. Because kickers can down NFL seasons. They really can. You've seen Chicago in the double doink from a couple years ago. They've struggled with kickers. You know our well-recorded struggles with kickers. And we can't continue to allow a mediocre kicker to you know, decide if we win games or not. I guess that's the point. And it's with a team that plays a lot of close games, you cannot have a bad kicker. It's the difference between bad teams, good teams, and great teams. Uh, lastly, I just threw the offensive line because it felt wrong not to, but they've been on this list for weeks and weeks and weeks. They've been bad. I don't care who it is. Tevi to Lamp to Feeney to Groy to Pipkins have all been really bad. Lamp has been a guy who's been better in pass protection than he's been in run blocking. Groy's been kind of middle of the ground on both areas. Sam Tevi's been a much better run blocker than he's been a pass blocker. Pipkins still isn't playing up to where any of us thought he should be playing for a former third-round pick. So, lastly, Chargers offensive line, lather, rinse, repeat. They've been bad. If they're on here next week, you're going to have some serious deja vu. I know I will. All right. So that does it for this week's Surger Static players from Week 7. And actually does it for this show. Wow, time flies. Time flies. We're already over almost 22-minute mark. Guys, I will be back in two days on Saturday to record the preview for the Broncos game, go over any more news, updates on the COVID-19 situation with Ryan Groy, see if anyone else is uh, infected. And, ooh, actually, before I break out of this show, I should probably talk about the injury report. Silly me. I had it pulled up to to give you guys the idea of what kind of happened after Wednesday's practice. So, uh, as of Wednesday, tackle Brian Bulaga was a limited participant with his back injury. Virgil Green's out. Ryan Groy did not participate with a biceps injury. KJ Hill was a full participant after missing last week's game. Melvin Ingram was limited with a knee injury that he kind of uh, hurt a little bit again in, in the Jaguars game, but came back. He's an alien man. He doesn't he doesn't shy away from trying to rush back from injury. Justin Jackson, full participant with a knee. Rayshon Jenkins, limited with his hamstring. Gabe Neighbors, fullback, was a full participant. Storm Norton, backup tackle, limited. Tyrod Taylor was full, and Trey Turner, 
did not participate with a groin injury that somehow got so bad in a matter of days that he went from playing in week three to not playing for the last month. As far as the Broncos go, former Chargers second-round pick Jeremiah Atauchu was limited with a quadricep injury. Andrew Beck, their fullback, limited. Jake Butt, tight end, limited. DeMar Dotson, their starting right tackle, didn't participate. It looks like an off day, just a veteran off day for him. He, it's not injury-related. Noah Fant, starting tight end, limited. Shelby Harris, starting defensive end, illness, did not participate. Jerry Judy, rookie wide receiver, first-rounder, full. Philip Lindsay's concussed, did not participate. Tim Patrick, a starting wideout, hamstring injury, did not participate. And Deontay Spencer, another wide receiver for depth, shoulder injury, did not participate. All right, that's what we got for uh, Wednesday's injury report. That's what we got for today's show. Guys, as always, really appreciate the love. You guys listening in every single week. Um, as always, don't be afraid to hit my line. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. If you don't follow me on Twitter, uh, you can find me at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. If you want to follow me or any of my work over at BoltsFromTheBlue.com, Again, that's just simply boltsfromtheblue.com. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers community. We have a ton of fun over there. It's Thursday. Enjoy the day. Enjoy tomorrow, Friday. Today's actually my Friday for work, so um, I'm not going to be totally online tomorrow. uh, But Saturday, again, will be the preview for the Broncos. I'll try to have that out around the middle of the day. So once again, appreciate all the love, and I will talk to you guys later this week.